what this passage of Scripture meant for Jesus. We pray that we'll understand what it means for us. We pray that we may understand what it means for our church. We pray that we may understand what it means for Kate. And we pray that we may understand what it means for our young people. In Jesus' name. All of us need to know that we are loved and that we matter. All of us need to know that we are loved and that we matter. And to somebody very important to me, they don't know that they are loved. And they don't know that they matter. And they threatened to take their life this past week. All of us need to know that we are loved and that we matter. And so affirmed and anointed at his baptism by the assurance of his father's love for him. This is my beloved son with whom I am well pleased. This is my beloved daughter with whom I am well pleased. He was strengthened thereby for his victory over Satan. And as a consequence, the Lord Jesus ended up walking from a desert place to where we start tonight, his home in Galilee. Now he was equipped for the three years of his public ministry by the power of the Spirit. In other words, there was a dimension of anointing that came on Jesus at this time that was not there previously. So the first slide. The descent of the Spirit in the form of a dove upon Jesus was no mere kind of religious symbol. Jesus had always, I said before, had the Spirit present in him forever and in his mother's womb, Mary. But now he had a new energizing, confirming endowment that meant Jesus was prepared for his public ministry. Some of us guys have been hearing this weekend of what life's like when you come to the end of your own resources and you need the grace and the power of God to see you through dark, difficult and demanding times. Jesus, God's own son, needed the anointing that he received. You need it. I need it. Kate needs it for all that we do in life. And so from this chapter, 4 through to 9, Jesus' ministry of word and action is described to us. And a bit like that um, Apollo launch you saw there, his ministry was shattering and transforming. It banished disease from lives. It brings the message of the kingdom of God, the kingdom and reign of grace in the lives of men and women to Galilee. And somebody really important to me doesn't even know that they matter, that their life is not worth living. This is my beloved son with whom I am well pleased. And so it is that Jesus began his preaching. The Lord Jesus figures in everything that follows from now on. 
It says that in relation to where he was, he returned. He taught. He went to Nazareth. He went to the synagogue. He stood up to read. He found the place. He rolled up the scroll. He began by saying and so on. And it's all about decisions he took to live out the call that God had placed upon his life. And here is a picture of literally God with his sleeves rolled up, getting stuck in in planet Earth and involving himself in the lives of ordinary people who were hungry to know that their lives mattered and that somebody loves them. He involved himself in the life of farmers, housewives, fishermen, their children, and by talking to them, by exhortation, by counseling them, even by rebuking them, he called them to turn about and to find a new life. And this is what God is about And this is what Jesus reveals to us. He's not one who made the earth and has left it to run by itself. He doesn't observe it from afar. He is the one who engages, sometimes in the most difficult of times. In Jesus, God was involved. So Luke takes us to a very normal event on a Sabbath day in the synagogue at Nazareth, which Jesus had attended since he was a little lad. This was no new place to him. He went there every week with his family. He knew it as well inside. It was probably a very humble building, just like his dad's workshop, a carpenter's shop. But now a remarkable change had taken place. He had gone, we read earlier, to the Jordan, listened to John, and some of the more ignorant thought that all of a sudden Joseph's lad had got religion. There he'd been baptised, and then he didn't return home for six weeks. He went away to a wilderness place where everything he now stood for was tested. And there are people in this room who, in the last couple of years, have given your life to Christ. You might have had a fabulous beginning. And maybe just now it starts to feel a bit like like Jesus, you've been tempted and pressured just as he was. But he moved from that place to the region that he came from and started preaching. And a lad who was just a carpenter's lad for most people began to make an earth-shattering difference in the lives of people around him. People were fascinated by this character Jesus. And now as he came home, People wondered what he would do. What would he say? And he did something that any Jewish male is entitled to do. He went to the synagogue. He stepped forward. And everybody went rather quiet. He asked for the scroll of the prophet Isaiah. The spirit of the Lord is on me. Because he has anointed me to preach good news to the poor. He has sent me to proclaim freedom for the prisoners and recovery of sight for the blind, to release the oppressed, to proclaim the year of the Lord's favour. And then he sat down, because that's how you preach there. He sat down and he looked at them and their eyes were all glued on him and he said, today this scripture is coming true here now. Another version puts it, today this scripture is coming true while you're hearing it read. 
In other words, what God had promised, and God forbid it had been a long time coming, all of a sudden was being made available to Jesus and through Jesus to those who would turn to him. How we at APC need to encounter constantly and afresh the Lord Jesus and to hear him speaking to us. She's a week in and tonight how much Kate needs to hear that for she will very quickly come beyond her own resources in the job we've invited her to do. Those of you who are in YF who want to follow Jesus, you need to hear Jesus afresh. So Jesus went on as he spoke these words. Basically, he was living out a thing called Jubilee. And Jubilee was something that only happened every 50 years. There was in every week seven days. In every seventh year, there was a sabbatical year. And then every seven years, and seven years after that, there was another special time. So seven sevens, 49 in the 50th year, you had a jubilee. Jubilee is good news. And that's effectively what Jesus was proclaiming in this passage of scripture. I come to bring good news. He brought words of freedom and rest and restoration. It was to be a year which was meant to be like a foretaste of heaven. And when someone becomes a Christian, it says they're not the same anymore. A new life has begun. That's what it means to be born again. It is just a beginning. But something new has happened. And this time of jubilee was a time of release for slaves. People who'd been enslaved because life had gone wrong were set free. All the land was given back to its original owners. It was a day and time of renewal. And some guys who've been away this weekend have had a great time of renewal. Not a comfortable time of renewal, methinks, but a very, very special time. The Spirit of the Lord is upon me, and he has anointed me and you to preach good news to the poor. And as a result of that good news coming to the poor, people's lives were quite literally changed. Prisoners were set free. Their debts, their troubles, their sentences were cancelled out. And all of a sudden a message went out there that people matter to God. Not just prophets and priests and kings, but little people. The widow the orphan, the oppressed, the street person who has only a cardboard box. And God willing, this person who matters to me, who thinks their life is worth nothing and tried to take it this week. There is for such people in this time of jubilee good news because liberty is what God wants. And the Lord of Liberty, it says in all these passages, will deliver Israel from their exile and give them a new beginning. And I wonder how many people here tonight need 
a jubilee. You may have lived 50 years the way you live, but you know yourself not to be able to go on living as you are. You need a jubilee. And what will that look like in your life? What does the good news look like in your situation, in our life as a church? I don't mean some packaged version of the good news. I mean some life-changing good news. Something that would turn our lives upside down. And then comes the punchline. Jesus told them that jubilee freedom had come. And he was bringing it to them. The spirit of the Lord, he said, is upon me. He's anointed me to bring good news to the poor. Jesus' sermon told the congregation in Nazareth to wake up and see what had begun. That very Sabbath day, the scriptures, 700 years old, speak about a coming year of Jubilee. And Jesus said, it's here today and it's all embodied in me. I've come to you to proclaim the year of the Lord's favour. Was there really good news for the poor? Had Jesus been sent to proclaim freedom from the prisoners? Was any of that happening? Yes, it was. Had the Holy Spirit come upon Jesus? Yes, he had. Had he been anointed to preach the good news to the poor? Yes, he had. So even though he wasn't a trained rabbi, they rejected the religious authorities of the day because he preached as one who had a real authority. Are those bound by Satan and sickness being freed? Yes, they are. Are the blind seeing? Yes, they were. And are the oppressed by sin and guilt being released? Yes, they are. And I wonder what it would look like if wherever you're going to spend this week, that sort of thing started to happen around you. Where because you were there, people's lives were changed because the Spirit of the Lord is upon you. And so in Christ, Jubilee is alive and well. And where we seek God's reign and pursue it with a passion, lives are changed. And when we have received a release from God, I think it changes the character of how we live together. To be a recipient of God's jubilee involves forgiveness, restoration and freedom. And years after the event in this passage, Paul penned some words. And I want to read them over, read them over you as a church. If we have experienced God's jubilee, if the Spirit of the Lord has come upon us, this is what God asks us to be like as his people. Be kind and compassionate to one another. Forgiving each other, just as in Christ God forgave you. He says to members of YF, be imitators of God. He says to the pensioners in our midst, therefore as dearly loved children, live a life of love just as Christ loved us and gave himself up as a fragrant offering to God. That is what jubilee is meant to look like in a people on whom the Spirit has come and who've been set free. When we love one another as a church, when we forgive one another, that is hard, it's a sacrifice, but it's not a waste. 
It's a sacrificial offering to God that, as we said to each other again on our weekend, when you look around, there are some funny people whom God makes to be his friends. These are the ones we have to practice on. These are the ones we have to love. These are the ones whom we have to show that when we live a life together as God's people, we show that we are set free, that we're no longer captive, and we're living a new life. When someone tries to share the gospel with another person. And a bit like that person that matters a lot to me. They're like someone living in a cage. Every single person to whom we try to share our faith who does not know Jesus is like a prisoner. Our cages can have their own bars around them. Our particular cages, even as believers, can be to do with respectability and conformity and habits that trap us and lifestyles which break us. And the invitation of Jesus to the people of his day and his invitation to us is, I want you to come out of your cages. I want you to experience freedom and liberty, just like the Jubilee. And I want you to notice that by Jesus, the door is unlocked. Push the door and see. Come to God in Jesus' name, to the God who welcomes us back, who receives the broken and the sinful, the hurting and the trapped. And the Lord of Jubilee is saying to you and me, you can walk free today. Now, young people here may not have got into the plight that old people get into where you've got so many habits that have trapped you that us oldens, we kind of get bound by the way we are. We are conventional, but we're also very respectable. So what binds us isn't always very obvious. Don't fall into that trap. The door's open. You can walk into newness of life. And I can say that you must do something. If you're a Christian who knows yourself to be less than God wants you to be, you can push the door and walk out to freedom in the power of the Spirit. You need to invite the Holy Spirit to come and minister to you. You must come yourself, you must decide, and you must act now. All of us are called out of our cages, out of the prison, out of any cell of despair and hopelessness, like that person that matters to me. Whatever the call, whatever the cell, come out of it. Because what happened in the events that Chris read to us is that the king came. All changed. The jubilee had begun because Jesus was here. All the prisons were empty. And all the captives are set free. We've had a good weekend. Quite a difficult weekend as blokes. And then at the very end, it changed gear. And the person leading our weekend turned all the focus off him and us and said, guys, it's time to be out there.
for the Spirit of the Lord is upon you. And he's called you to preach good news to the poor. To release the captives. To set people free. And that means that what we're to do with our lives is allow God to change us and that we become agents of change to others. Kate's coming here to do a bit of kids' work. No, she's not. She's coming here to work with us to help young people experience the life-changing reality of Jesus Christ. She's coming here to help us help parents experience the life-changing reality of Jesus Christ. She's coming here to model before people what it means to be set free by the Lord Jesus Christ and to lead a new life. She's come here to disciple us. But I've promised her, I've promised her that she's not here to do it on her own. I've promised her that we won't dump on her. I've promised her that we're about to step up as a series of teams and as a church. That we'll walk with her in the power of the Holy Spirit so that little lives are made different. So that teenagers are full on for Jesus Christ and help through all the pressures of teenagerdom into adulthood. She's going to work with us to enable us to reach out to families, hopefully with an effectiveness that sometimes has eluded us. But she's not going to do it on her own. She's going to do it with God's help. And she will need our help. And it won't be enough to encourage her and say, isn't she nice? We'll have to do it with her. I think we need to be still and offer ourselves to God before we do anything else. Let's be very still. Lord Jesus, it takes a bit of getting used to the idea that you were the Son of God, and that even to do what you did on earth, you needed a special power from the Heavenly Father, a power you'd already got, but a new power, a deeper power. It's almost hard to believe that, So we pray that you'll prepare our hearts and lives to receive the power of that same spirit and that you would help us to become changed, released, set free. And we pray that we may become models and agents of your kingdom. And so in the quietness, we bring ourselves before you with all our foibles and all the things we've never got sorted out. And we prepare to confess how much we need you. So there's a prayer coming on the screen. And before we do anything else, we make our confession to God. So let's come to the Lord of Jubilee. The one who sets captives free. And let's walk out of our prisons, out of our limitations, into a new life. Let's pray together. Gracious God, our sins are too heavy to carry, too real to hide, and too deep to undo. 
Forgive what our lips tremble to name, what our hearts can no longer bear, and what has become for us a consuming fire of judgment. Set us free from a past that we cannot change. Open to us a future in which we can be changed. And grant us grace to grow more and more in your likeness and image. Through Jesus Christ, the light of the world.